Welcome to TGI, Tourism Geography Insights, the podcast of Tourism Geography's journal where we discuss our latest research and developments of our peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. Good day and welcome to another episode of Tourism Geography's podcast. And joining us today is Fabian Frenzel. So he's currently at Oxford Brookes University and he's done a lot of research, not just in tourism geographies, but looking at that intersection of how it interacts with, you know, digital platforms and so forth. So I will give Fabian the mic now to get to tell us a bit about himself. Fabian, welcome. Oh, thanks, Sophia. It's great to be here and um, to, to be able to talk about uh, a bit of my research, but also the, the article mm. recently published in uh, Tourism Geography. It's about, we'll come to that in a minute. But yeah, just about myself, I've been doing research on one of my aspects of my research is tourism, um, yeah, when tourism takes poverty as attraction. So it's when, you know, when, when tourists go to areas of urban deprivation or relative poverty, slums, favelas, townships. So I've been quite interested in that because uh, for me it's been both a, it's both, both a challenge in terms of, you know, what it's kind of challenging what we normally understand tourism to be and it's quite controversial, but also because it may, may have something in it about tourism that we also overlook often, which is its potential to not just kind of magically through the force of economics create some sort of better socioeconomic situation in places, but actually to address the issue of poverty, to say that to have tourism as a space in which poverty or inequality is being something that's talked about. So that that pertains to this idea of, of, of tourists, if you want us as conscious as activists as mm. as concerned about also their their own privilege and the way they're moving through the world and trying to address some of that um uh, through the action so that's kind of where i'm coming from with this yeah and, and again you know the perspective of i guess how most research have been going down that avenue of looking at slum tourism basically from you know different perspectives whether it's from the tourist perspective or just the community perspective but actually looking at the whole phenomenon of slum tourism not just as this mystical thing where you know it's you versus me so I really like that perspective so you did mention earlier you've transitioned from different perspectives could you tell me a bit more about where this sort of nudge came from for you to delve into this space I think it comes from from my my hope that tourism could be something that actually does some you know some positive change in the world. I think that's the main that's the main background to it. So that I, I really see that it's both a belief that that's possible, but also a re, um, almost you know I want to remind people and tourists, in fact, that you know there there's that there's perhaps that um, obligation as well to be concerned in this way, to be you know to be conscious around inequality in which much of tourism takes place and um, and to, to not just accept it, you know, because you could arguably say that in in in, in a way that's not talked about, it's mm-hmm. it's an omission, right? It's something that, that then becomes invisibilized or, or or not recognized. And and so in that sense you could say that, you know, there's a there's that component to all tourism, but mm-hmm. sometimes we're just not conscious about that. So for me that has that sort of ethical element to it as well of like reminding yeah. people of the importance of of being conscious here. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And where in particular, because, you know, bringing that geographical perspective, which particular areas are most of interest, in, especially in your research? Yeah, thanks for this. I mean, it's a, it's a really clear, um, if you want, territorialization of these phenomena, isn't there? Mm. So we associate, we, we you know, tourism with places and place making, and tourism obviously has this power to, to to highlight places, to transform places, to reinterpret places, and and this um, this is a deeply ge geographical dimension. And so, of course, has has our, our sense of poverty or inequality. Because one of the ways we, we visualize it or we realize it in the world as we talk about it, represent it, is through these ideas that there's sort of this neighborhood and those neighborhoods better off and worse off. And, and often it's a fiction, you know, often it's not actually true. Yeah, You've got much more, much more complex uh, reality. But we tend to we tend to associate space and place in particular with certain characteristics, and that that is both true in tourism and then it's true as well the way we think about inequality and poverty. So it has a deeply geographical perspective in that sense. And of course, on top of all of this, you've got you know you've got the the, the mobility element that is part of tourism that just makes places that connects places and creates those kind of vectors of of connectivity between places as well. Yeah. And in terms of connectivity, because, I mean, we as researchers, we do come from, you know, our own perspective, our own philosophy and identity. Do you think, and you're happy to, to mention, but, you know, me coming from the Caribbean, obviously, my positionality sometimes could enlighten research, um, obviously not in a biased form, but it, it sort of opens new avenues that other researchers may not have looked at. If you don't mind, could you share how your place in terms of probably where you came from or where you've gone through in your career, how that may have, you know, sort of opened your lens in, in a different light? Absolutely. I think in my, in my research, it's always been very much to, sort of in my positionality as I see myself as a tourist researcher very much. You know, I see myself in that space where I am coming from um, quite a privileged position. You know, I've been, you know, I don't know, been able to do research in, in, in places, uh, travel to places in a way that that's impossible for, for many people in the world. So in that sense, it's it's both my perspective uh, and it's also the limitation of my perspective, right? But I see that as the as a very important starting point. And like what I've experienced in doing my research, for example, is that in many, many ways, uh, uh, whatever I think of myself, I'm always perceived as a tourist, certainly mm -hmm. initially, you know, even if I come in and, you know, do all the ethics work and say, here's my form and I'm a researcher and I'm doing this project. The, the perception is quite clearly that, oh, there's another tourist and it's kind of a special interest tourist, perhaps he's interested in this and that, but like it's it's kind of in that framework. And so so I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite conscious that what I'm talking about is a perspective that comes from my positionality as a as a tourist in many of these circumstances and and that's a, important to highlight that because mm. it's a limitation to what I can say and what I can perceive mm. it's it's at the same time tethering as you say there's there's an element to it that once you acknowledge it it also opens that that possibility to then have that conversation about okay so what do you bring to the table what yeah. do I bring to the table you know we can have that sort of conversation of like sharing those perspectives to come to a bit more general view perhaps or more universally valid information yeah and on that point what 
what do you consider to be, you know, the top three t key takeaways, particularly in the recent research that you uncovered? So I think when we could maybe talk a little bit about this, this how this um, works into the digital sort of sphere. Mm. So I think that relative, uh, they're coming out of the position of relative power to be mobile, to be you know able to to be mobile with some level of autonomy, as tourists mm. tend to be. That that comes with quite a bit of power, and an example of that power is the way that places, unlikely places, places that are not perceived as attractions in the first instance that local tourist authorities don't see as attractions can become can actually indeed become tourist attractions by the power of tourists talking about it online you know by by I mean it's always been part of tourism that much of it is generated in what's called word of mouth mm -hmm. type of you know elements that so they're not it's not big marketing campaigns it's not tourism destination organizations you know who, who set uh, set the place but it's actually the process of tourists talking to each other um and highlighting places that are that are worth visiting or interesting and with the advent of digital media in particular social media in a sense that it you know it's an open space to go and to to communicate on much much more easier for people to to, to participate and share their their views and share them with big communities. We've seen that phenomenon. So an example of that is the way that in Johannesburg areas in downtown Johannesburg that were, you know, told by tourists were, but the main tourist authorities would always kind of warn people to not go there or completely ignore them in their, in their advertising. But tourists themselves, some pioneering tourists picking up on, on the vibe in those areas and, and, and also being, you know, being Particular, particular anchor points, particular tools that were being offered in these areas, were able through TripAdvisor ratings to bump that up on 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 the TripAdvisor top ten list, you know, of, of what to do in 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 uh, Johannesburg. So suddenly, despite and and despite the ignorance by by mainstream tourism authorities, suddenly these these neighbourhoods, which were considered no-go areas or difficult or problematic or dangerous, suddenly appear as like you know, top attractions in town. And that's a phenomenon, I think, where digital media have really accelerated or increased the mm. power power of word of mouth, just as one example. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, how they see value or how they, you know, I, I guess, assign value or, or even in terms of how they judge certain experiences. Could you talk a bit, Mid? Sorry, a bit about that for the audience. Absolutely, I think that that that's a really this this valorization process. That's really at the core of, of my interest. Now, it's, it's far from being a completed work, so I'm still yeah. also like looking for uh, for more insight. But basically, it's kind of trying to theorize this process. Okay, so we've got a process where a place becomes, you know, more talked about, more um, more reviewed, more um, more more fed back. There's clearly something there in terms of, if you want, um, a disruption of some existing value regime, I'd like to call it. Mm -hmm. also, so there's an existing value regime, more or less stable, where you say, this is a nice area of town and this is not a nice area. You should go here, but you should not go here. Mm -hmm. That's kind of always a bit of stability in that. And, and tourists have this power to disrupt that with their, with the valorization of places that are, that are not, you know, that are currently considered not attractive. 
and they do this through acts. So they, you know, there's practices that, that do this. So it's kind of, it doesn't happen by itself. You need to, you know, you need to sit down and write something about it. You need to, you know, you need to share the information. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think there is, um, in these activities uh, is, is, if you want in this action, there is this a production process, uh, something that you could, you know, that's akin to what like marketing people would do, yeah. except they are paid for it. And it's an unpaid work. It's a labor of love. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a contribution of sorts to, to changing perceptions of a place. And, and I think that's kind of at the, at the core of producing these, these different valuations, that there is this the valorization process, that, that this, is, this is happening. Now you can differentiate that further. You can say, well, sometimes it's about um, actually, if you want, producing value in the first place. Sometimes it's about evaluation. So it's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, the, the sort of the rating, the sort of this yeah. is top, this is low. It's perhaps, uh, perhaps a bit less committed. It's, mm-hmm. it's, more, it's more immediate, you know, it's, it's what, what we tend to do. When we when we had an experience and we just asked to review it, yeah. but then there's this third process as well, which which in particular in the um, in a paper with Thomas Fresh, who's also co-author of that recent paper um, that that we talked about uh, that we will talk about maybe a bit in a bit, um, where we looked at you know this this third element, which is kind of value capture. Mm. So so in a way, valorization isn't something that necessarily becomes manifest uh, very much it's it sort of you know things change but they become in a sense they only become manifest in the way they're captured and the question is who and how is that valorization captured often yeah. right so obviously we've we've had the examples again and again of places being if you want made attractive or more attractive but to whose benefit is that? Like, who's then been able to translate that into, you know, I don't know, revenue, into some sort of income, into, you know, uh, better. I mean, there's all sorts of things in which you can capitalize on this. Mm-hmm. And and this process of value capture, though, is also very interesting. Well, um, to, to so it's kind of a three-step thing. It's the yeah. valorization, you know, kind of disrupting something that's sort of stat and, 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 and not the same anymore than the evaluation, which is kind of an ongoing confirmation of this, and then the value capture. Yeah, that's great. And a great conceptual sort of frame to, to sort of unpack again, you know, something as, you know, complex as, as slum tourism and, and in, especially in certain geographical place settings. So thinking about this, were there any specific theoretical frameworks that you you guys sort of thought would would really underpin such research or is it still mostly in the conceptual phase no i think i think there's a lot we've we've drawn on there's a lot of lot of other work that we've drawn on i mean there's a there's a big um element in this idea of of the valorization idea there's a big element there of of work by by uh, paulo verno in particular he's a He's an Italian philosopher. He's he's written about production, if you want, in a in a service industry age, where you know a lot of production is now um, very, as we know from you know marketing research as well. There's this, there's this sort of simultaneous situation of production and consumption um, that um, that determines a lot of the service industries. But he's sort of putting a very political twist to it, if you want. It's about how you know people. What, what happens in that production is a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's a production of space in a way. It, it, and that's, you know, that's very much aligned with this geographic perspective of like, 
it's producing a place that, ha- that happens to be produced through the interaction of people who are there, who use it. You know, they they become it becomes a social space by people interacting, and of course that's always the case. But the the production, the extent of the production, the way it sort of yeah resonates and 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 is broader becomes this this wider phenomenon. So that's one of the sources of of, yeah. of work that's gone into it. There's a lot of French philosophy around the sociology of, of value that's come out in recent years. It's partly an attempt to also make make a more complex assessment of of, econ, of economical thinking of value, like to go beyond that and to look in more detail at this particular element of evaluation and other 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 ways of valuing. Yeah, and I think in value capture, we draw a lot from, but also extend, I suppose, perspectives of the political economy of and political geography of, of tourism, mm. which, you know, is often looking at um, David Harvey, for example. But, we, you know, we try to expand from that and, and move it a little bit further than, than, than just that, that view. That's really great. And... My next question actually was, what is currently in your research pipeline? And uh, it seems like you have three different avenues that you could unpack so much more in research. But is there anything that really is um, currently on on your research? Yeah, yeah. I think it's about if you want this conversation that we had about value capture, and I just mm-hmm. think the ditch on a digital sort of domain. There's also a lot of opportunity. This this became very clear uh, with the pandemic, didn't it? Mm. In the sense that we all sort of were confined in a way to digital travel and virtual travel, and the move was the you know everything kind of moved into that context. And some of the organisations I've been um, in touch with and working with over the years uh, uh, were, were really affected by that, you know, community groups that engage in favela tourism suddenly had no tourists, you know, so what, you know, how, what do you do? So it's, I think it came to the fore that there's a huge potential in, in virtual forms of tourism, which kind of, you know, it's where it is already, but of course it was always the sort of added element, like we talk about the digital domain as a space where you know where we have this ability to 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 valorize or to evaluate uh, but we haven't really prior to the pandemic i think thought of our certainly i haven't thought of this so much as this kind of well perhaps there's also something about enacting the act of connectivity much more in the virtual and and this this obviously provides opportunity in terms of maybe replacing some of our physical travel to come to a place where we don't need to travel physically as much because we can't afford it from a, you know from the perspective of carbon emissions not at mm. least until there's different technologies so so my recent work has been around trying to expand the experiences that are that are able now uh, that we are able now to have thanks to digital technologies not that they weren't there before but just the way that we're more familiar with them to be able to talk to each other to have virtual experiences across continents without actually physically traveling and that's that also becoming different ways in there of, of if you want of this value capture of like making sure that the benefits of tourism for example this recognition visibility becomes a bit more uh, becomes a bit more widely uh, uh, widely available it's not hindered by our you know, by the concerns we rightly have about traveling too much uh, physically uh, and therefore you know polluting too much yeah uh, so this is a fire-round session now. Just you could answer in a brief sentence. Obviously, we have a lot of different um, researchers. You're currently doing work one um, quarter on, on this project. Uh, but is there any tourism geography researchers that you 
are inspired by or you'd like to collaborate with in the future? Oh yeah, as many as possible. I th I think there's always that, isn't there? And like one of the things I, I I do have to say since the end of the pandemic is that going back to conferences and meeting people has been actually yeah. really nice, and, and that's that you know that's that's something I've really missed. So yeah, no, definitely. I I'm 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 always looking for connections. Always new things emerging. And, and yeah, very happy to 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 work more more jointly. But yeah, it's a shout out to my to my co-authors of the recent paper as well, to Julia mm. Giddy at uh, University of Johannesburg and Thomas Frisch, um, who's with the University of Hamburg. Just you know, with them, I've shared a lot over the last few years of sort of this thinking, and we've also yeah. put the special section together. Yeah, great. And as a senior academic, do you have any wise words for early career academics, especially in this space? Um, yes. <laughs> no, sorry, not really. <laughs> like, it's so hard, isn't it? What yeah. can you say? I mean, follow your passion, of course, uh, which is the best uh, way, because there's a lot of work you have to do in and above whatever is in, you know, is normal or within 37 hours a week. So being driven by passion is really important. Yeah. Um, but then I think the, there's also all this, you know, around publication. I think it's important to, to, um, to even though it's, it's maybe tempting to publish lots because that's kind of what's required is to keep an eye on, on quality and you know, to, to, to try to aim high and rather get like a couple of really good papers out than trying to do too many. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's what I'm trying to tell myself all the time as well. <laughs> great advice. Very great advice. So to conclude, in the spirit of tourism geographies community, we tend to like to connect um, sort of those agents of knowledge exchange and to encourage humanizing tourism and geographic research, especially in this landscape. So we ha had actually asked one of the previous um, interviewees in terms of, you know, trying to understand or actually to leave a message or a question for the next interviewee. So your question is, what are you doing to relax from Michelle McLeod from the University of the West Indies? <laughs> oh, that's a really good question. I, um, I have, you might have heard that in the background just now. I have two small children, um, you know, that's... Uh, on top of work that's kind of very um it's often a lot a lot of other stuff to do as you can imagine yeah. but yeah relaxing and spending good time with them is, is probably the, the 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 best uh the best thing to get away from, from the work great and is there one question you would like to leave for the next interviewee how do you connect how do you connect your research to your teaching, perhaps? Um, and how do you bring your research and your teaching? Sorry, it's quite a generic question, but thank you. Oh, it's one of those million dollar questions that we're all trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So how do you connect your mm -hmm. research to your teaching? That's a good one. Well, thank you so much, Fabian. This brings us to the end of the mm -hmm. Tourism Geographies podcast. And I am so grateful um, that you made the time and I do wish you all the best in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you, very nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for, for setting us up. It's been a pleasure. Yes, take care, bye. Bye.